0: Hi, everybody, Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Locked On Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson.
1: He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. It's so great to have you here with us on this Tuesday. My name is J.J. Jackson. I proudly serve as the host of Lockdown Blue Devils. If you haven't done so already, please make sure you follow and subscribe to our podcast for free wherever you get your podcast, a daily podcast talking about everything going on in the world of Duke Athletics. Yesterday, we saw the start of the men's basketball season, first practice held by head coach John Shire. We'll continue to talk about that throughout the week, and a whole lot more. But we want to talk football today as they're now four games into the year, a third of the way through the upcoming season. And my buddy Josh Cox is going to stop by to join us on the show. If you haven't done so already as well, make sure you follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils and follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. I continue to be blown away by our growth on YouTube and your ability to watch the show daily each and every day. Please subscribe, share the videos with your friends. Your support means the world to us here at Locked On Blue Devils. And now thrilled to have yet another weekly conversation with my good pal, Josh Cox, from Duke Football Talks Section 17 podcast. Sadly, Josh, the Duke football team, did lose on Saturday to Kansas. They've lost the game under the leadership of Mike Elko. But, man, there are a ton of positive things to take away. Where do you want to start when we talk back on the Duke and Kansas football game.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess we could start with the fact, uh, you know, the the atmosphere there uh, in Lawrence. Um, a packed house, 50,000 people. Uh, we spoke to both Jacob Monk and uh, Dwayne Carter. They both mentioned that it was, it was actually louder than what they had expected. Uh, Jacob mentioned that it was the loudest uh, stadium he had been in uh, since he'd been at Duke. And so that was really cool, you know, like shout out to them, shout out to their fans for showing up. Um, And so I think we start there. I mean, they were legitimate. I believe Jalen Daniels lived up to the hype, maybe even in a little bit different way. Um, You know, we we spoke about how well he ran uh, the football, and he really beat us with his arm, uh, you know, on Saturday. And so he showed really how versatile he truly is. And um, and so, yeah, kudos to them, first of all. Um, You know, I believe personally uh, that Duke did not play a great football game. Uh, I believe we played decent, but there were a lot of mistakes uh, beginning with tackling. I believe that's the, that's the main uh, takeaway from this game is that we did not wrap up and, and, and tackle and finish uh, plays on defense. I think Dwayne Carter acknowledged it. Coach Elko and his presser on Monday acknowledged it. Steve Wiseman tweeted out, I believe it was pro football focus said we had 19 uh, broken tackles against our defense in that game, uh, the one long touchdown, Daniel Hyshaw, Uh Like, I mean, that was – there were multiple broken tackles on that, that one. That play day. was
1: crazy. That that it was really an unbelievable
0: was. play. It really was. But at the end of the day, I think that's where we start. We start with Kansas is legit, Duke didn't tackle. Those two things together make for a difficult road to hoe to get a win.
1: And a really good atmosphere, like you said, there yeah. in Lawrence. That that stadium was packed out. They wanted to see Duke and Kansas play a meaningful game and something outside of basketball. Again, we will get that come November. We will get that in the Champions Classic this season. But to see both those teams go head to head on the gridiron, and you mentioned the offense for Kansas. Man, they were throwing the ball like crazy. And, and we did preview the Jayhawks so much, talking about Daniels, their quarterback's ability to run. But really, the arm talent was what was so impressive in Saturday's game against Duke. And it's funny that now, uh, on Saturday, watching the game unfold, nationally, Duke and Kansas football has become a topic of conversation. And I think everybody's major takeaway was, Jalen Daniels can play a little bit of quarterback. That was was pretty crazy to see.
0: Yeah, he was really good. I I felt like Grimm was really good uh, there at receiver uh, and finding his spots. Um, I believe Duke's got to shore up that zone uh, coverage out in the secondary. A little, uh, the gaps are a little too too big out there, and so I felt like we gave him time. Um, and you know, we did sack him. I believe it was the first sack of the season. Uh, um, Joshua Pickett got in there and uh, and, and sacked Jalen Daniels. But but yeah, I mean, once again, kudos to them. Lance Leipold's done a great job in his second season as their head coach. Um, you know, there was a lot of, of of talk and chatter going into this game. And they delivered. And so, at the end of the day, you know, we did hold them 18 points underneath their season average uh, of points per game. Um, After the first quarter was over, we held them to under 100 yards rushing in the second, third, and fourth quarter. So, I felt like there were were some positives to take away from this game. And then another positive is I know everyone's talking about the Kansas quarterback, but how about the Duke quarterback, man? How about Leonard? Like, certainly the touchdown numbers were not there. Only one touchdown. But once again, throwing the ball accurately, uh, running the ball um, effectively, and he's a, a sophomore that people were saying were gonna was going to be, you know, the worst quarterback in the in the ACC heading into the season. So shout out to Riley Leonard.
1: The future is so bright. I mean, you, you talk about the atmosphere, and it really did feel at, at points in that first quarter like, yeah, this game is going to be over super quick. Like Kansas is just going to run away with this. Uh, Given the atmosphere, given how quickly they scored, again, this is a, a Duke football team that in the very first game of the season, as we well talked about, Josh, they didn't give up any points at all. So how does this team respond when the opposition scores and falls behind early in that football game? And Duke just marches right back down the field. They put a drive together themselves. So there were moments in the game where they really did not let what Kansas was doing, totally defeat them. Let's talk a little bit more about that in detail after our first timeout here on today's program. Locked on Blue Devils today is brought to you by our friends over at Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With every purchase, I'm earning cash back thanks to Upside. To get started, download the free Upside app, use my promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. Check in at the business, pay as usual with credit or debit card, and get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. That's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. Download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D. Welcome back into Locked On Blue Devils here on this Tuesday. J.J. Jackson alongside my buddy Josh Cox from Duke Football Talk's Section 17 podcast. What do you want to add as we sort of continue our conversation just about Duke's ability there early in the game? Touchdown drives are going to happen, mm-hmm. but they were ready to be competitive the, the entire game.
0: Yeah, obviously, I mean, uh, to to see a guy like Eli Panko, um once again get behind the defense, <clears throat> which he has consistently done um, this entire season, uh, to see him with another, I think, I think this one was a 49-yarder, Uh, from Riley, and the ball was placed perfectly. And Eli, uh, if you look at the replay, was having his jersey grabbed down, going down the the field as well and still made the catch. And so I thought that was a positive uh, right there. I think it's great that we've seen our running backs get into the end zone uh, every game. Jalen Coleman's uh, four games played, four touchdowns. Uh, That's a positive. I thought Jordan Waters looked good. Kind of weird their stats didn't back up this, but I really felt like we could have run the ball a little bit more um, on that defense stats didn't, like I said, stats don't back up what I just said, but the eye test, I mean, it really looked like we, were, we could move the ball on them on the ground and we didn't do that as much, but, but anyway, uh, so I think those are, those are positives. <clears throat> um, Jalen Calhoun and Jordan Moore, once again, positives. I think the main on the offensive side of the ball, the main drive that really impressed me was we're in the fourth quarter. There's about, I believe, nine minutes to go and we're down 15 and it's our ball. And instead of just kind of, you know, tucking our tail between our legs and taking this 28 point, you know, loss or whatever, we put together a really strong drive. Samir Hagans uh, caught a first down uh, and stretched for that, for the marker there for us. John Tavis Robertson caught a big pass. As we went down the field there, and eventually scored, and so uh, that was the the Jalen Calhoun uh, touchdown in the corner. So at the end of the day, um, I thought Duke showed resiliency. We had a chance to tie the game up there at the end, and just didn't have enough time left on the clock. And so once again, we come out of uh, out of this four game block that we've spoken about right the season, divided up into four games. Uh, this four game first four game block, we come out three and one, which is what I had us coming out at. By the way, I remind my, my fellow guys on the Section 17 <laughs> podcast that I was right. Um, but I had us coming out three and one. But I'll be honest with you. I feel better about the way we've come out three and one than I expected. And I think this team is primed and ready to make some noise in the ACC Coastal this year, which is completely wide open. Um, and so no one really holds that. Maybe you could say Pittsburgh maybe right now. Uh, but other than that, it's wide open. And so I think Duke's going to make some noise, and I'm looking forward to it.
1: That drive you're talking about there in the fourth quarter started at the eight-yard line, by the way. Ten plays, 92 yards, nearly five minutes time of possession for Duke to make it a 28-20 game, as you said, when they were down by 15 points. Impressive work there from the Blue Devils. And then once again, they had another drive right after that. When they go back down by 15, 35-20, and put together a seven-play 70-yard drive uh, set up by a nice kickoff return by John Tavius Robertson, Uh, field position is so vital and that sort of thing. And then, yeah, uh, you know, you're right. We talk about what Daniels was able to do at quarterback for Kansas. Let's give Riley some love, man. Or 24 of 35 for 324 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions. And was the leading rusher for Duke, ten carries for fifty-four yards. A uh, pretty great stuff there from QB.
0: You know, it's 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 been a while, hasn't it? It's been yeah. I think I think the answer is it's been at least three years right. since we've had a guy back there at quarterback that uh, we felt like could zip the ball around and get it where it needed to go, and then obviously also use his legs, which Riley's not had to do as much, but he's very capable of doing. And so, shout out to him, man, sophomore. No one believed in that kid outside of the Duke program. Um, and he is really putting people on notice.
1: Take a look at the defense for Duke. Kansas able to play um, so, so well offensively, uh, as we said, but again, held them under their scoring average for the year. Individual numbers, only one sack for that Duke defense. But you look at the uh, tackles there, and once again, Darius Joyner right there at the top, the tackles machine, uh, with Shaka Hayward and Dorian Morosi right behind him as well.
0: Yeah, Darius. I mean, we've said this, and uh, from since we've seen him, you know, in practices, he just has a knack for the football. Uh, wherever the ball is, <clears throat> Darius Jordan will be uh, soon there. And so, uh, you know, shout out to him, Anthony Nelson. Shout out uh, that that uh, fumble that he that he forced um, was really big. That was a really big turnover uh, in the first half, and felt like if Kansas gone down and scored there, it could really have gotten out of hand. And so I think, think that was a very big deal. And the defense really was a, a bend-don't-break uh, style on Saturday. I mean, that offense is – it's next level, man. Like, they, they are good, and they keep you guessing. <clears throat> and <clears throat> it's very difficult to zero in on on anything. You say, oh, zero in on the quarterback. Well, that's fine. We can say that. <laughs> and then it leaves open so many other gaps. And so – you know, at the end of the day, the defense, I felt like the second, third, and fourth quarter, especially our defense, really did dig in, uh, made the stops, and we had to make them. And here's the thing. They gave us an opportunity to drive and tie the football game up. And at Indeed. the end of the day, that's all you can ask for.
1: Indeed. Good stuff there from Duke. Again, uh, unfortunately, they did lose 35-27 against Kansas Duke football now three and one on the year and all four of their non-conference games are over with. They're not going to have another non-conference game come up. We jump into ACC play and it starts on Saturday with the Virginia Cavaliers. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. Locked on Blue Devils here today. Want to make sure we let you know about our friends over at Locked on ACC. Get your fix on the Atlantic Coast Conference by making Locked On ACC your second listen or second watch every day. Host Candace Cooper and local experts of Locked On, like myself, take you across the conference in 30 minutes. I love my weekly visits over there at Locked On ACC talking a lot about this football conference. Make Locked On ACC your second listen every single day. All right, we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked On. Blue Devils, JJ Jackson, alongside my buddy Josh Cox, from Duke Football Talk's Section 17 podcast. Tell me, what is the Section 17 podcast? What are you guys up to these days, Josh, as the ACC season gets set to get underway?
0: Yeah, we're cranking out uh, weekly episodes of the Section 17 podcast. Just released one uh, this morning, and so go check that out. We did a, a deep dive on our thoughts on the Kansas loss. And then we spoke in depth about this UVA game that's coming up this Saturday night. We spoke with John Freeman, uh, the voice of the Virginia Cavaliers and got some insight into their struggles really um, heading into this game. And so we try to do that every week. And so you can find our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, If you want a direct link to it, you can hit DukeFootballtalk.com and you can see the podcast there and go wherever you want to. So we really appreciate it. uh, You having us on, Every week, JJ, and we enjoy talking to football as much as we possibly can.
1: It's a lot of fun for sure, and now we've got a conference game coming up. We've got the Virginia Cavaliers uh, coming here. We talk often about our partners over at Online. We saw the Blue Devils right after Saturday's games came to a close, open up as a one-and-a-half-point favorite against Virginia. That number is going to continue to change like crazy throughout the week, as it always does, uh, but going into this one, Virginia two and two on the season, Duke three and one. What are some of those first thoughts that you have when you look at the matchup of two first year head coaches?
0: Well, it's kind of interesting. You have a you have a, a defensive minded coach in Mike Elko, whose offense has been surprisingly good. Right. And then you have the offensive minded Tony Elliott in his first season, whose defense has been surprisingly good. And so it really is it's kind of an play. odd, yeah, it's an odd matchup here. <clears throat> um, Tony Elliott's um, obviously was handed a program by Bronco Mendenhall that went six and six last year, <clears throat> probably like a disappointing six and six, to be honest with you. Um, that program was better than six and six, um, and so he took over. And I, I don't know that this is necessarily easier. He took over like a machine that was pretty well oiled, and then he had to come in and insert himself into that culture. And so uh, there's that give and take there of like, man, there was already good culture built and then he's got to come in and adapt. Whereas Mike Elko came in and the culture had kind of gone downhill so much that it was like, let's scrap everything. And this is 100% Mike Elko. So I don't know, Uh, it's been odd to see the struggles of Virginia on the offensive side of the football. Uh, As any football fan would know, their offense last year was elite. Uh, Broke tons of school records on offense. Brennan Armstrong was just throwing the ball all over the field, whatever he wanted to do, running the ball, throwing the ball. A lot like Jalen Daniels, to be honest with you, um, what we saw at Kansas. But that was Brennan Armstrong last year. For some reason this year, they've not been able to get on the same page. Him and the receivers, the timing, uh, the new system that's been brought in by Tony Elliott, it's been a struggle for them. After their uh, week three game, I heard Armstrong uh, interviewed and he made the statement that, it was only a handful of times in that entire game where everybody was where they needed to be when they needed to be there, and he's you know they're just trying to learn, and so what that what that has caused is a lot of turnovers. Yeah, they've turned the ball over quite a bit, and so on the offensive side of the ball, it's kind of like a head scratcher because we see, listen, their wide receivers run six two, six five, and six seven. Uh, they are legit weapons. That's not, <clears throat> not counting Billy Kemp. The little five foot nine speedster that we'll see Saturday as well, uh, from what we've heard, and they have all, they have all the weapons, and it's just kind of like when is the when is that going to click? So that's the question on offense uh, for Virginia. Then on defense, wow, I mean, no one saw this coming. Like, who in the world would have thought that you struggle on defense last year? You bring in an offensive minded head coach, and all of a sudden your defense is like next level elite. They're averaging, I think, they're giving up nineteen points a game. Um, they've got, they've had 14 sacks in the first four games of the season. Their defensive line is great. Um, man, I, I don't know what to think. It's very interesting. If you'd have told yeah. us at the beginning of the year this is what it was going to look like, I would have never believed you.
1: Yeah, I mentioned locked on ACC a lot. And, and uh, it's obviously my weekly visits. Virginia is one of the teams that I'm always um, so kind of eager to talk about because it is so interesting with all of the offensive success that they had a year ago, you add in the offensive-minded coach, and the conference's, some would argue, most productive passer from a year ago. You just wouldn't think that they'd have these offensive struggles. Virginia is averaging 18 points a game. The Virginia Cavaliers, with Brennan Armstrong, who threw for a million yards a yep. season ago, is averaging 18 points a game, and they're only averaging 212 passing yards a game, which is so strange compared to what we saw. But you're right to highlight the success that they've had defensively, only giving up 19 points a game. Duke's defense right there with them. Virginia's given up 19.3. Duke's defense has given up 19.5. Virginia's defense has been more stout, though, in the yards-allowed department. They're not letting teams move the football that frequently around them. And then you look at the track record of these coaches – It's Tony Elliott, the offensive coordinator from Clemson. You would think the offense would be awesome. It's Mike Elko, as you said, Josh, the defensive coordinator from Texas A&M. You would have expected a lot of love for that Duke defense. It's strange that this is the two areas of each of these teams that we're talking about, though.
0: Yeah, it definitely is. And and one note on the Virginia defense heading into this game Saturday um, is that starting linebacker Nick Jackson, who leads them in tackles, by far their leader over on that side of the football Um, was called for a targeting penalty in the second half of the game at Syracuse. And uh, so he will be not playing the first half of this game, which I'm not a big fan of that rule, Um, you know, uh, impacting the following game. uh, But it is what it is. And so he will not play the first half of this game. And so he's – that would be the equivalent for Duke fans of Shaka Hayward uh, missing the first half of a football game. And we know what that would do yeah. and the kind of the strain that would put on the rest of the, de- the defense. And so that's something to keep our eyes on before uh, as we look ahead to Saturday night.
1: I can't wait. It's going to be a fun one, 7.30 p.m. Eastern there at Wallace Wade Stadium. Uh, can folks expect to see you in Section 17 on Saturday, Josh?
0: We will be there, rain or shine. Rain or shine, we will be there. So this, obviously, this uh, this hurricane and the bad weather, we're keeping our eye on it. But uh, it doesn't matter if they're playing football. We're going. We're going to be there. That's awesome. Absolutely,
1: Josh. Good to see you as always. Each and every week, we'll talk again soon. Okay.
0: Have a good week, JJ. We'll see you, man.
1: That's my buddy Josh Cox from Duke Football Talks, Section Seventeen Podcast, and he's joining us here today on Locked On Blue Devils. Again, if you haven't done so, please subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and written review and do the same for the Section 17 podcast. Those guys do a great job breaking down this football team each and every week. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils, and I'm on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. We'll continue to talk about Duke football throughout the week and also highlight the men's basketball season getting underway. That's coming up starting tomorrow right here on Locked On Blue Devils. That's going to do it for today's episode, though, of the program. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.